0: Welcome to The Playing Godcast, a podcast profiling belief in entertainment. Today on the cast, we are honored to have Oliver Nelson Jr., the mind behind such games as Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator, an airport for aliens currently run by dogs, and El Paso Elsewhere. Oliver is a writer, a business owner, and a true man of God and games. Oliver, we're super glad you're here. Let's get a quick level on your microphone. Can you tell us in one or two sentences what you had for breakfast and which Super Smash Bros. character is most like Jesus? Uh, What I had for breakfast
1: is a banana. And uh, I can say this now because he's in Super Smash Bros. Ultimate. Uh... But Jesus is most like Simon Belmont uh, because I believe that they would both
0: fight vampires. <laughs> Great answer, cool. Well, speaking of video games, can you tell us a little bit about how you started making games?
1: Yeah, I was going to say it's unfortunately not a story that's easily replicable, which makes it hard when, like, I get an email or a DM from a student asking, "How did you get into the industry?" Because it's like. Well, you have to start at the age of 12 uh, <laughs> on an age of the internet when blogs were still more of a thing and uh, you need to pretend to be an adult so you can become a games journalist. Now, if you do that and then <laughs> you make a sudden side shift into game development as you uh, are experiencing existential burnout uh, just as you hit adult adulthood, you will then embark on a uh, several year successful creative career uh, <laughs> developing directing and uh, building games alongside uh, very good people
0: amazing well if anybody has followed that specific advice give us give us a ring. You said you hit like a, an existential burnout what kept you making games So when you start at the age of 12 you
1: have a lot of heroes, you see certain people as important as, better than you as aspirational figures. Mm -hmm. And because of how games works, so many of those people do not last more than a few years. Uh, Our average burn rate statistically is uh, about three years for someone to last in the games industry. So if you take 12 then the age of eighteen, you get to see at least two burnout cycles in which people that you admire, people that you uh, enjoy companionship with, people who uh, you see as as peers and fellow laborers in the journey to make great games or uh, further the state of games discussion, they d- they can disappear, they can uh, explicitly quit, they can go out in a uh, flame of glory or dishonor, the weight of witnessing those people passing away in uh, a professional sense, not a, not, a, not a life sense. Although some of them, you don't know whether they're living or dead, depending on the scale of the mm-hmm. envy and how much they communicate on social media anymore. Mm-hmm. So, as I was becoming an adult, I was like, I'm going to put away childish things. This <laughs> this, this industry uh, eats people up, chews them up, it spits them out. Uh, I'm going to leave. But before I do that, before I place this behind me in my very, very long 18 years, uh, I'm going to make a single game to <laughs> definitively put a cap on this period of my life.
0: You had one last job, and then you were getting out. Uh
1: and predictably, following the heist crew narrative, I didn't get out. I, ma- <laughs> I, I I started the project, I made the project, people liked the project, and even putting aside that it received positive public re- pre- uh, reception, the process of making it, I, I sat back and I was like, well, shit, they got me.
0: <laughs> <laughs>
1: I guess I have to stay here now. Um, because yeah, I, I, I feel like I was built to make video games um, to make art with a perspective of um, empowerment, humanity, and sustainability for the people who create them. Um, Is that what and, keeps and that's you- what I've ended up doing.
0: Is that what keeps you going, or or how you have done this so much longer than that three year burnout cycle? I mean, there are people who are probably looking to you now as their as their hero, whether or not they're twelve years old pretending to be an adult. They might say like, "What is Oliver doing? That he's got this longevity, and it would seem a positive attitude still."
1: Yeah. Uh, first of all, the idea of you know being a, a veteran. <laughs> uh, slash an example of longevity at, at 23 is both existentially galling, uh, as well as just a little bit of an indictment on this industry. Um, <laughs> all that aside to answer your actual question, um, the, the thing that kept me going is I'm very thankful I had a perspective early on of trying to find not what would get my foot in the door, but what would keep me in the medium. What do I actually love to do? Mm. So I thought that that would be games journalism, and it had part of what I love to do, but it, it, it didn't uh, fully satisfy everything I was and everything I wanted to be. So, got into games writing. That was a bit closer, but it wasn't quite it. Uh, narrative design, even closer, still not 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 quite the the right fit and. What it's done is it's led to me at every stage of my career feeling creatively fulfilled, but also knowing that there was more I wanted to learn and know to become um, everything that I wanted to and to uh, have an emphasis more so on process than on, again, getting my foot in the door and looking for what would eventually satisfy me uh, mm. outside of my relationship with. God and my family. This is what I was born to do. And by following a constant intentional path of determining what those things were, um,
0: I ended up here. I'm so thankful. That's exactly what I wanted to ask you about next. Was It, it seems like more so than trying to make something that would appeal to people. Your concern has been figuring out who you are and matching that to what you can create on a joyous, sustainable level. How are you getting to know yourself and and paying attention to those things that match who you are? Uh,
1: that's a big question. Uh, I, I guess the first place would be making a lot of intentional choices early on, which again, I'm very thankful for. Um, one thing I noticed being a kid uh, and 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 then having enough longevity to see several cycles happen in other people's lives is people have a lot of warring desires inside of them. The Bible even talks about this. They want to say, F the man. I'm gonna make independent games. I'm gonna make exactly my creative vision. Don't care about the money. And then they also have the desire in their heart, like, man, I'd really like to work on Destiny. Halo <laughs> looks so cool. <laughs> man, so, man what, what would be like? What would it be like to work on a Far Cry? Like, and if you've got those two things going at it inside of you, I, I noticed this interesting pattern where people would either stay very, very indie, very aggressively independent uh, or, um, yeah, very very aggressively independent and self-sufficient and would be frustrated by that state, that they Mm. were never given the the shot or the chance to reach that higher level, or they reached that uh, so-called higher level and were constantly feeling like they had sold out or that this Mm. pressure that they had never fulfilled the that and that they didn't have the opportunity to fulfill the creative desires that they had inside in their own unique creative vision, uh, not doing what a company tells them to do, and um, you can apply that to so many things. You can apply that to people's uh, perspective to being perceived in the public eye. People who they really they do they would like to be famous, but they also would like to very much be private. In <laughs> either state they end up in leaves them unhappy because there's an unfulfilled decision. There
0: Something's missing. Yeah.
1: Of who they are. So uh, pretty early on, I looked at a lot of factors dealing with the practicalities of existing in this medium and pursuing uh creative work as a, uh, profession. And I made choices. Uh, I looked at things including like safety, um, as a person of color in the games and tech in the games industry in tech, who is visible, there is harassment and risk that I take on, uh, on a daily basis. Uh, I've experienced some of that. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I found out that the first time I was targeted for harassment, I was sick as a dog interviewing animal rights activists in Nepal for the game uh, We Are The Caretakers. And I really? get a DM. Again, just like bleary, <laughs> uh, entire body in pain. And I, I, I look it up and it's like, oh, damn, that's a thing that's happening. Hmm. Uh, thousands of miles away from home worrying about whether this would have a Consequence for my family. Mm. There is two roads there. You can get some hybrid approaches, but there's really two roads there. And I thought about these roads long before I ever reached this point.
0: Just to, to look at the situation as you see it and make decisions up front with the influence of your faith and your family and trust in that as you continue forward
1: yes, determine my compromises ahead of time so that Mm -hmm. in the moment I'm not either uh, left with the poison of a precious gift that is not appreciated uh, or not the one that you wanted. Uh, Mm -hmm. Or on the other side, uh, dealing in the moment with the stress of like, oh man, there's two paths in the road. Ah," And then just getting (laughs) torn between them and one half of my body is flopping down one side of the road, and the other half is flopping down the other side, and it's just a mess.
0: Well, it, it sounds like this: um, the reason that you have made some of these decisions, whether it's to be a, a public creative person, despite the risk of of being a person of color in that context, to just sticking with this industry, are because you believe it can have some positive effects on people's lives, maybe even beyond your own. Have you seen that play out as you continue seemingly so uh,
1: <laughs> i I don't think I'd be here right now if i if I hadn't so yeah i i i I've, I've seen a lot of instances now where not just through the process of collaboration but they're just existing in this industry um, I seem to have a substantial impact on um, uh, people who occupy this medium uh, alongside me or who are considering entering the industry. And um, if I was not confident that I was having that impact or that for the people I directly work with, I was consistently empowering them to have, to do their best work in the healthiest environment possible. Then, yeah, I don't think I would, I would, I would be here or that I would have stayed here.
0: Hmm. So what is something I wanted to ask you, what is a, a piece of media, be it games or otherwise, that has had like a profoundly positive effect on your life, not as a creator, but as a consumer? As a person, I think one of the most meaningful
1: pieces of art I've ever consumed is um, a game called Dropsy. It's
0: by Jay Tholen, who you uh, you know. People who listen to this podcast, uh, I forget if it'll be three or four weeks before this, will have heard a little bit about Dropsy. So th- These Dropsy, episodes will pair, will pair well.
1: Yeah, Dropsy is a... Uh, I don't just say that because I've worked with Jay and uh, plan to continue working with Jay. Uh, a lot of love for him. Um, but I played dropsy when I was a teenager and as a young Christian attempting to enter the, in the medium, seeing a game that was so clearly an expression of love and faith through an interactive format, uh, that was cohesive and whole onto itself stuck with me to a degree that I struggle to find words to convey because I would seen so-called Christian media before. Right. Uh, but especially growing up and getting exposed to more media that was not Christian, uh, I found this frustration that everyone else seemed to be expressing, um, all of these pieces of their souls and their perspectives and their histories and their experiences. And Christianity was stuck, uh, and Christian art seemed to be stuck in this rut of the thing that defines it isn't even its
0: quality. Christian as a genre, not as a, the meaning behind it. Christian as a genre is a perfect
1: way of putting it. So when I play Dropsy, which is an Uh, a psychedelic, absurdist expression of Christ's love in a complicated world. Uh, That didn't just show me that that was possible in the medium of games, and it didn't just end up, you know, uh, combining me with now now a a lifelong uh, friend and creative collaborator. It also just was an example that existed in the world that uh, Christians could exist outside of their genre and could touch anything and that the love and faith of our God would be evident in what we built and how we built it. Um, Even if I didn't end up in games, I think that gaming experience would have uh, stuck with me and altered whatever I did next. You meet people who do not like you, they hate you, they're afraid of you, they don't understand you and you work to understand them and to reach them at their place, the place in their lives. And, um, in some fundamental way in whatever capacity that you have access to make their lives better. And, uh, you do that. And, uh, then you give them a hug. (laughs) <laughs> and they hug you and their life has been changed and their little picture appears in crayon. If you go back to your little circus tent and you can see this catalog, this visible set of examples of all of the people whose lives you've touched for the better. Um, the fact that every layer of the game, from the sound design to the game design to everything else, communicated that love that understanding that empathy communicate what it meant to be a christian better than dozens of pieces of christian uh media that i've experienced before or since um that meant the world to me uh and and that was the moment it was the moment that i saw oh god doesn't just touch the godly things god touches everything and it all has a meaningful, expressive impact.
0: You've talked a little bit about you've you've quoted the Bible a little bit. You've talked about the the love of God as shown in in games, and I'm really curious how uh, you believe these things so so deeply and express them well, and are currently working on a game called Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator. I I love that, but can you help us kind of reconcile those two things in our picture of Zoliver? Uh,
1: Absolutely, if only so that it will uh, help my parents understand it as well.
0: (laughs) Well, Uh, I'll send this to them. (laughs) So there's
1: a world in which I do not make Space Warlord Organ Trading Simulator, in which someone else does. And it is a fundamentally different game. It says a fundamentally different thing. as a fundamentally different perspective, perhaps a fundamentally less human uh, perspective. My faith intentionally bleeds into every work I do. So um, not only am I fascinated in this concept of what happens when we commodify even the human soul and then put it on a stock market (laughs) Um, and the dynamics with which sentient beings regard uh, wealth and greed and value, which is something that is again, biblically addressed. Um, But the way that in which I depict that and the nuance I attempt to bring to all my subject material, that's, that's, that's where the faith comes in, baby. Uh, (laughs) I, I believe as a, as a believer, there's of course lines, but there is so much space to let your perspective shine a light in an unexpected way or an unexpected subject matter that it would be a damn shame to take, you know, the love and influence of God, the manner in which he has saved you, uh, and the perspective of love with which you regard other sentient beings and, uh, stuff it into a, uh, a box that has a cypress tree on the front, uh, and some pithy faith, uh, faith faith-based, um, word and big, bold letters. It just feels like a missed opportunity. (laughs) <laughs> why should why sh- why shouldn't we see God in a world where organs are traded in space <laughs> that, that's the perspective I bring in anyway and at some point maybe that, maybe that will change but that's that, that's been my perspective for a few years and I've been very grateful at the uh,
0: conversations it's opened up I'm grateful for this conversation uh, I am too thank every you. every week on the Playing God cast, I tell my guests that they are the chosen one for this week and that the divine has granted them uh, the ability to create whatever they want with unlimited resources with the caveat that they have to do something that will use their medium to make the world a better place. what would you do? What would you make? Does that have to be one thing or can be several things? I'll take as many pitches as you have. <laughs> I think the number one thing I would do is
1: start a studio, making games, several uh, games in a focused, sustainable way, basically Strange Scaffold 2, um, but without, you know, me ever having to think about where the money comes from and paying people. (laughs) Someone else handles that admin. Uh, If the divine granted me this opportunity, what I would do is I would start building those games with that very intentional perspective and with those very intentional tools, and I would make those tools available for everyone to use. One of the primary things that makes creativity not just difficult, but uh, painful in our modern world is the series of intentional and unintentional gaps between a creator's intent and the tools they have to provide it. The fact that I go into Unity and if I want to make an accessibility option, very little of that is provided by the engine. I have to... If I even want to make the camera invertible, (laughs) I have to spend time and resources putting that in by hand again. I understand that games are complicated. There's a reason why a lot of these things are not built in uh, to our tools, but I'm uh, also very aware that in adding ray tracing to an engine, uh, any engine, but not inherent tools to make the lives of our players better. There is a priority communicated there. So the ability to take, to make interesting things at large and small scales and take components of it, bits and pieces, like here's an accessibility tool we made and have multi-purpose for the use of the world. Here is a, um, here's a framework for making cities and op- uh, making really performant open world cities. Uh, and you can just plug this into your project in Unity, in Unreal, in whatever engine you're using. Giving people, including people of faith, the tools at home to more quickly, efficiently, cheaply, and uh, inventively bring their ideas and perspectives to life is the number one obstacle, in my opinion. Alongside, you know, the world being on fire, uh, <laughs> facing the creators in our world today, and so anything I could do to not just bring things into the world, but also without even thinking about the financial ramifications, provide those same tools to others as often as possible, to the point that it frustrated <laughs> my uh, industry competitors would be delightful. Uh, I-, I would love that because it means. We're just going to get better art. We're in the current golden age of games we're in now because game engines exist. Because we've got the Unity asset store, the Unreal asset store, and people are sharing knowledge across state and country and continent lines, lines of ideology, sharing code to make entirely different games. That is one small, consistent way in which the world can be made better. And supporting that at scale would be a dream come true, but on giving ourselves a tool to express ourselves as, versi- as with as much versatility and um, efficiency as possible, better, faster, cheaper, healthier game development. I want that for other people. But if only for myself, I don't understand
0: why the heck we don't get more of it. Please. <laughs> make things easier and happier and more joyful for everyone who's not only playing these games, but building them and and make the world a better place. I love it. Any, uh, any last thoughts for us? Advice? Sage wisdom? Recommendations?
1: Please question the processes through which you make your art. I looked through a notebook recently, and um, it was before Strange Scaffold really got into full swing. And I was looking at the budgets and timelines of the games that I was writing down and the, the pitches that I was starting to bring together. And I was stunned because it felt like these were words from a different person. Hmm. So much of it was me trying, because I've, I've for years like looked at I've looked at the numbers, how games are made, the publishing practices, the production practices that bring it to life, and it doesn't make sense. It does not result in a consistent in the conditions for a consistent, empowered and satisfied career. And I was wondering why it seems the general wisdom is to do it anyway. Questioning that and finally going down a direction that allowed me to uh, not just question that existentially, but through my own processes and the things I built as alternatives. I'm happy (laughs) for the first time in my life. I, I have a consistent soul joy that I want to share with others. And so I, I for as for final thoughts and wisdom, I beg the people listening this to consider for their own lives, for their own friends and family and people for they, that they care for, for what they wish to bring into the world, whether it's comics, television, movies, games, or something else entirely, maybe something that even hasn't come about yet. Please, if you have this specific desire for a way to bring something into the world and to do it, in a way that is better, faster, cheaper, and healthier for you and your collaborators, please do not take for granted the way it is quote-unquote supposed to be done. Because the way it is supposed to be done is already destroying people. We have nothing to lose by trying to find something better.
0: Sullivan, so thank you so much for coming on the Playing Godcast today. Where can people follow your work? Uh,
1: you can follow me at patreon.com strange scaffolds at um twitter.com slash at writ nelson w-r-i-t nelson and uh i mean i i go to game events as well so if you ever see me and you've listened to the uh playing gods cast uh shout a word uh i don't i don't have a word in mind uh (laughs) i I didn't sleep much last night and so i'm I'm kind of running on fumes but uh if you just shout a word in my direction let's just shout playing god's cast uh and i'll give you like a big hearty wave maybe a hug i don't know maybe this will be post pandemic in some beautiful world where people feel comfortable touching each other again i will greet you heartily and joyfully as as, as someone of good taste as anyone listening to this podcast uh, deserves to be recognized
0: That's it for this episode and this season. Thank you so much for taking this little journey with us. Follow the podcast on Twitter and Instagram. Just search Playing Godcast and have a great holiday and a great new year.